Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The fact that I started hearing about the culture needed to change in Arizona when you've sucked for 100 years and you had the best five year stint you've ever had, 50 wins in five years, not a hell of a lot needed to change. There's no, we need to rebuild the foundation. The foundation is finally set for the first time in your franchise. And then we need to change the culture. Now that's kind of garbage. And not, not every culture change is good one. I think you're seeing that now. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Paige DeMarcos, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians. And guys, what we're starting off with today is a meddling owner. And what I mean by meddling owner is I like my owners to be quiet. I like them to be behind the scenes. I don't like them to, to operate in the football day-to-day business. And if you are a New York Giants fan or an Odell Beckham Jr. fan, you might be feeling some type of way today because John Morrow said this, end quote. I think he needs to do a little more playing and a little less talking. And of course, he's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Jake, I'll let you go first here because obviously with your dad being a coach for a long time, you know how this rolls with ownership and coaching staffs and star players. How do you handle that in a locker room? Because Odell's had his issues already. He gets paid and now the team is struggling. And this is another latest saga in this drama that is Odell Beckham Jr. and the New York Giants? Yeah, first of all, I don't think this is a meddling owner. I think this is the guy writing checks telling one of the players to shut the hell up. The Giants suck. He hasn't done anything on the field. You just gave him all this money, and he said, I'm not going to be the same OBJ you've seen in the past, running my mouth, having these spurts on the sidelines and this freaking bipolar craziness or whatever he's got going on. Um, I don't think it's meddling. I think it's shut up or we might ship you out of here. We're not very good. We've got a lot of issues on this team, and I don't need you running your mouth. That's why I kind of like him stepping up and doing this because Murray is one of these classy owners that doesn't meddle, doesn't get in the way, but when he feels like he has to, I think he did. I liked it. So, so, what, so because of what you just said, Mara isn't Jerry Jones. He's not a guy who's constantly involved in the football day-to-day. So what does this say to you that you're seeing him come out and address Odell Beckham Jr. now because they just paid him this offseason. They gave him a lot of money. And now you have these issues already with this team. What does this say to you that you're already having a big problem if the if the owner feels he needs to come out and say something? It tells me the trade deadline is not that far away and that he better shut up. They got a lot of issues on this team that trading him well, would, would help. I, I'm with Jake on this one. Dude, dude just paid you $95 million, $65 million guaranteed, and the team is bad, and Odell Beckham has been bad. And sure, is it not all his fault? No, because Eli Manning exists, and he looks so washed, it's, it's unbelievable. But Odell Beckham's not helping his case. You, you're going out there, you're doing interviews with Little Wayne, you're doing these ESPN interviews, you're headbutting things on the sideline, you're doing all these things, you're bringing all that attention to yourself, which is perfectly okay when you're performing yeah. and when your team is performing. 
Neither one of those things are happening right now. So I don't blame him. I mean, again, this is not an instance where ownership didn't want to pay Aldo Beckham and he's frustrated or it, no, he got his money. Giants committed to him and Aldo Beckham committed to being, to now overperforming to earn that contract. And that's not happening. So you know what? The Giants need less chaos right now. They've turned into the Jets of old. I didn't think I'd see the Giants turn into the Jets of old. But that's what they've done. And that's a painful sentence for Jamie to say because Jamie grew up in New York and is a Giants guy. And that's a, that's a painful sentence to say because the Giants are like – like, but that's why this is more concerning. That's why I asked that question because Mara isn't the guy who's going to get involved in everything. And like, like Jake said, this organization isn't known for this meddling. So let's keep it on the Giants because there's already – and I know you guys will not be surprised by this because it's New York – already talks about Shermer and his job being – I've seen six graphics this morning. I counted six from six different media outlets, National and New York. Jake, I know you know this organization well. I know Betch is there, so we know we have good ties into this organization. What is going that, – that cannot be true. They can't be ready to fire Shermer. That just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your other question too, but like the, from the locker room point of view, when you have an owner that doesn't meddle and doesn't even come down there and is almost like this mythological creature that lives upstairs and then he does get involved, everybody shuts the hell up and pays attention. I can promise you when Jerry's walking through the locker room every day or some of these owners that are involved all the time, the, the players feel like, or the, and even the coaches. I mean, I know from my dad's point of view, he calls the owners by Mr. Whatever, Mr. Mara boss. Like there's an understanding of I work for you. That's not always the case with the players. But when you have an organization like this and he gets involved, I promise you they're all paying attention. As far as Shermer, no, he's not on the block. He's six games into a few-year stint. He's not helping himself in the media. You're the biggest media market in the world. The biggest spotlight in the NFL is on you, and you're handling your press conferences terribly, terribly. It could not be worse you don't have to pop off and do that in New York. That is not going to help you. That is going to absolutely bury you in that market. They are going to try to poke and prod every single week because unlike Arizona, where every media outlet is tied to the team and nobody really kills the head coach or the organization, they don't care in New York. They will absolutely blast you for the sake of blasting you just for something to talk about. And he's not helping himself. They're going to be fine. Dave Gettleman's a great GM. They need to rebuild this thing on the offensive and defensive line and give Shermer some time. But it, I think it's more the press conferences than the play on the field right now. Nobody was really expecting them. I was expecting them to be better than they are. I thought that he would help fix the offensive line, a lot of what he did last year in Minnesota when you've had five new new starters on the offensive line and they just made it work. But Eli's been god-awful. But you got to give him some time. So, no, he's not on the block. But he's not helping himself with these press conferences. No, and I think that's the biggest thing that help him with in the offseason, maybe a little bit more training for him. The Giants are not an organization. They're not going to fire Shermer. They would be absolutely – It'd be one of the most idiotic things I could think of. Organizations don't fire head coaches in their first year. It is a terrible, terrible look. It is a terrible look for the organization, how they are run, ownership, management. It's a terrible look for when they try to hire coaches in the future. It's not happening, especially with the coach to Shermer's quality. But like I said, Jake's right. He's got to handle the media a little bit better. It is the New York media. There's, I mean, you don't even have to say anything wrong for them to find something wrong that you said. You're just going to have to learn how to handle them a little bit better. And again, I think that's something they will, he will get better at as he does it more. And I believe the organization will help train him to be a little bit better in those scenarios. 
just like they, a lot of the players these days are heavily media trained to handle those scenarios. Okay, so since we're talking about some coaching staffs that are on the block, I asked you about Shermer. I want I want to ask you guys about two other organizations that are already having shakeups or talk of shakeups. Now, Tampa Bay already fired their defensive coordinator. You see that happen after another bad defensive performance. But the other one hits close to home, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. They have the worst offense in the NFL. People are losing their minds about this team, and and it isn't headed in the direction that maybe they thought they were. So let's first discuss, I think from a coaching staff perspective, I agree with Jamie, there's no way they're firing Steve Wilkes in his first year. But do you think that this coaching staff makes it through the end of the season if this continues? I'll let Jamie go first. Uh, the end of this season – I think they everybody does except McCoy. I think McCoy is going to end up being the fall guy. Uh, it's going to be the what basically what Mike Smith was, the precursor to the end there. Um, do I think this coaching staff will be in place in Arizona in January of 2020? No, I do not. Uh, but do I think they will fire a first-year head coach after one year or in the middle of one season? I do not, unless – not for anything on the field. Jake? I think I think there's uh, no. I agree with Jamie. I think he he will not be in place after 2020. But I think there's a chance he could be, depending on how bad this roller coaster goes. I think McCoy is done. Maybe by Halloween, definitely by Thanksgiving. Uh, I think they love Byron Leftwich in that organization. They did not want to let him leave. He had other opportunities to leave and go on different staffs last year, and they wanted to keep him in place along with Kevin Garver, who they made the receiver coach. That that tandem will be a phenomenal offensive pair eventually. Uh, and I think if they get promoted, you'll see a lot more of my dad's offense being run in Arizona. I don't know that that's going to help a whole lot because they still have personnel that is limited, let's be honest. Uh, the offensive line is what it is. David Johnson looks unenthused, to say the least. Uh, they don't have that many weapons. But I think Mike McCoy will be the fall guy. I don't know how much of it's his fault. I think Mike's a really good coach. Uh, he's a great dude. I know he fits in that organization well. But he's not one of Steve Wilkes guys either. It's not like they were together and he brought him with him. Uh, so it makes it pretty easy to save your own hide and fire somebody and have a scapegoat. Um, but I think there's a chance that Wilkes could get it too. I, I'm not hearing a lot of great things out of this organization uh, of what's going on right now. And I don't know how much of it's his fault, but there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of there. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff is uh, is a nice way to put it. I'm hearing a lot of things too, and it's, it's not good. And I know that the fan base that has been rallied around, the last few years and really built a nice culture here, got a little spoiled, got a little spoiled, got, got used to winning, got used to competing, got used to teams nationally talking about them for really the first time ever. And they're not happy with this. And that's what happens. Fan bases become entitled and spoiled. And when that happens for the first time ever, and then this happens afterwards, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow and it's not, it's not good. I will address the, I will address, sorry, Jamie, I'm going to cut you off. I will address the culture change because something's been pissing me off since training camp when you've had the best five-year stint in the history of the second oldest franchise in the NFL. And I heard Bickley and Murata and some of our, our local colleagues there talking about how BA's accountability was waning on calling out the players in the media. The accountability sheet started the first year. That's what they loved about it because everybody showed up on Monday if you screwed up. That never changed. Now, did he call out some of his coaches later on in, in, in his career? No, but everybody was held accountable from day one. That never changed. And it was, if it came out in the media, it came out in the media, but there was never any pulled punches. And so the, the, the fact that I started hearing about the culture needed to change in Arizona when you've sucked for 100 years and you had the best five-year stint you've ever had, 50 wins in five years, not a hell of a lot needed to change. 
There's no, we need to rebuild the foundation. The foundation is finally set for the first time in your franchise. And then we need to change the culture. Now that's kind of garbage. And not, not every culture change is good when I think you're seeing that now. You know, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And the, the point that I think long-term here, and if they go with, let's say, if McCoy gets fired uh, and they go with left, which is the OC, at some point when you start to think long-term multiple years, because I'm not sure how long, especially the way this is going, that Wilkes is going to make it. The one thing you don't want to do is hamstring the quarterback that you've now tied your franchise to. So if you have to make a determination soon, who is what type of offense do you want that quarterback to run? Because if you're in a scenario here where you come into, let's say, the 2020 season, and he's now on his third or fourth offensive coordinator going into his third year in the NFL, that is a massive problem. You are going to handicap the one bright spot in your organization right now. So as important as it is to figure out your coaching situation at the head coaching level, you need to think long-term about who, what is the best offense for this quarterback to run, who is going to run that offense, and do you have a head coach currently or out there somewhere in the future that's going to accentuate that, that, those positives? Because if you don't, you're going to run into one of these scenarios where you have a promising young quarterback that gets thrown into so many different offenses early in their career and they never get settled. And then at that point, your franchise is set back another half decade. What's up, TD Fantasy listeners? Jake Arians here. Not only am I one of your co-hosts on the podcast of TD Fantasy, I'm also very privileged and proud to be the president of the Arians Family Foundation, the foundation that we started to honor my mom and the work that she's done uh, for underprivileged kids uh, throughout her entire life. So for more information, go to ArianesFamilyFoundation.com, at ArianesFF on all your social media outlets. Yeah, and I think it's really important to bring up the LA Rams when you discuss this because you saw Jared Goff look like a guy who everybody, and by every, I mean every national NFL pundit called a bust. No chance he was coming back from that. And now he's in the MVP conversation. He's on the best team in the NFL. And that happened because of a coaching change and development. And I think that's, that's, gonna, that's the question, Jamie, you brought up a great question. What is this offense going to – are you going to cater your offense around what you say and all things point to is the future of your franchise? And I think that's the determining factor for the Arizona Cardinals. But I want to I move on here and I want to talk about last night's football game, Monday night football, a huge line. Okay, The, point, the line was what, nine and a half? Nine and a half. Nine and a half points. Green Bay is at home. In a in a really Aaron Rodgers, I listened to his press conference post game. He said, "I didn't want to call it a must win, but it was a it was a pretty much a must win game for them at this point in the season when they're looking around the division and their schedule coming up. They barely, and by barely I mean Aaron Rodgers magic. Okay, won that football game against a San Francisco 49ers team that's starting C.J. Beathard. So, Jake, I want to ask you." Is Green Bay's because people are trying to figure out this is the talking point across the NFL this morning. Is Green Bay a good football team or is Aaron Rodgers just a great quarterback? Because I don't this team could very easily, if you look at their schedule coming up, not make the playoffs. And and that is a huge this would be the first time since I can't remember, it's nineteen something, nineteen ninety something that they would miss the playoffs two years in a row. I think Aaron Rodgers is maybe the greatest quarterback any of us have ever seen throw a football, and it's the only reason that they're not 4-12. and 12. I mean, I love Jamie's quote about Andrew Luck as a 12-win quarterback on a two-win team. I think this really applies here. They're not very good. The offensive line is okay. Their stats are better than they actually are on the field. Their defense still sucks. Their corners are getting better. Some of their draft picks actually look pretty good. But if they don't have Aaron Rodgers on this team, 
They're six and ten at best, at best. So yeah, there's a chance they miss the playoffs because if he is, he looks like he's finally getting healthier and moving around better. They've got some weapons. They need to get Cobb back. Allison's got to get healthy. All those kind of things. That offense can still be explosive, but without the trigger man being Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they're any good at all. No, I think Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good football team. I don't think the Packers are. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, I can't make an argument that they're better than the third best team in the NFC North right now. I, I just, I, I don't think if you, if you play, if you, all these teams played on neutral field 16 times, I, I'd have a hard time believing the Bears and the Vikings wouldn't be a better team. Green Bay's defense is, is abysmal right now. Uh, I just, it, it, I mean, again, the, the Packers aren't running the ball effectively. They can. Aaron Jones has been good in the limited touches he's got, but he's not being able to run the ball enough because they're not, they're not able to get a big enough lead so they can run the ball in some of these games. There's no reason that a, a San Francisco team led by C.J. Beathard, should come into Lambeau Field and put up 30 points. Like, it just it shouldn't happen. Like, it, you, you, if you want to be a team that is competing for a Super Bowl, that doesn't happen. We're going to talk about another team that let a team, you know, that played that play the game and gave up a million points to a team that has a bad offense. This is These are not Super Bowl caliber plays. And I look at the Packers and the way they've played all season, and I'm just thoroughly unimpressed. And- but there's a whole different narrative. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that miraculous Sunday Night Football comeback in week one, then I know I'm making Paige cringe yeah. as I'm reminding it. There's a whole different narrative surrounding this Packers team right now. Well, I want you guys to – I want you guys – they're on a bye. So Green Bay's on a bye. And let me let me share with you their next five weeks. They go to L.A. to play the L.A. Rams. They go to New England to play the New England Patriots. They're home against the Dolphins. They're at the Seattle Seahawks. And then they're at the Minnesota Vikings. Good luck green bay because guess what that team does not travel well and aaron Rodgers is not the same his his home record is unbelievable and that magic works at home but that magic does not work on the road and that is a that's got to be the toughest get next five weeks of any be, team they come out of that four six and one at that point they're in massive trouble yeah i just don't see that's a that's a they better enjoy the bye week because i don't think they're going to enjoy much much past that let's talk about another team that had super bowl aspirations and I'm really interested to hear what Jake has to say because there was a guy who we all were entertained by, is a nice word to say, but also questioning the motives with Jalen Ramsey because he had a lot to say about pretty much every quarterback in the league, okay? And that put a target on that defense. And that defense has not looked good over the past few weeks. And they sure as hell have not been the Super Bowl caliber defense that they want to be. So, Jake, I want you to start here. Is this team – is this team good? Is this a good, is this a good football team? Because I haven't seen it. Is it a good team? Yes, they should be solid. They've got injuries of the offensive line, which not a lot of people are pointing out. Uh, we've talked about Fournette at exhaustion levels of my brain wanting to freaking explode. They need him back and healthy. This team is not built to do what they're trying to do with Blake Bortles. We talked about last week. If he's playing man to man and not playing zone, he does not have the ability to throw it into tight windows. But let's talk about Jalen Ramsey because. I'll use the word annoyed as hell, not entertained by his comments. And I said it on the air when we did the podcast that week when he started this garbage, and he stuck his foot in his mouth. This defense is not very good. They're getting lit up. Their offense is not helping them, and they're not playing to what they're built to play for. They're not running the ball and playing really good defense, keeping the defense off the field. But let's be honest, Dallas' offense is second worst to Arizona's, and they put up 40 with no weapons on a defense that should have just locked them down. It should have been ridiculous. Right now, this is a 6-10, and 8-8 eight eight team as well because they can't get healthy and they can't figure it out. 
And when you got guys running their mouths like that and you're not winning, man, that locker room changes quick. Not ready for prime time. And that's what I kept saying to myself as I watched Dallas go up and down the field and continue to pour on. I didn't know Dallas was capable of scoring 40 points over like seven quarters, more or less four. I, I, I just I look at this Jacksonville team, and it, it's so easy to get enamored by how good that defense should be because how, and how good that defense was last year. The problem is, is that I don't know what I'm looking at when I watch this team on a weekly basis. There are every once in a while that offense lives up to even the mediocre expectations people have for it. But more often than not, it falls fall, far, excuse me, falls far below. Blake Bortles is one of the five worst quarterbacks in football. Like it's, it's, I think that's indisputable of the starting quarterbacks that are playing right now. I look at this team and I say, I can't picture them going into Pittsburgh and winning a playoff game. I can't push them going into New England and winning a playoff game, going into Kansas City and winning a playoff game. I'm not – I mean, I'm, I'm not, not picking sure. them to go into Cincinnati and win a playoff no, game. No, I mean, no. A Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, I just – I don't see it. I don't see how they could do it. And they, they might end up winning that division because that division absolutely sucks too. Because even though the Houston has turned things around, they don't look very – they don't look particularly great. No. They should have done a much better job against Buffalo than they did. I, think, I just I, I think you're seeing what is a trend here, and that is the NFL is so the rules have changed. Everything is so catered towards offense and offensive scoring, and you have to have a better you have to have at least a mediocre offense. Okay, Joe Flacco in moments has been horrible, but you have to be at least mediocre. You have to have a game manager, and Blake Bortles does not have the capability to win them football games if that defense is off. And that defense has been off a couple weeks in a row, and they can't hang with good offenses. They just can't put up points. So that's why I think in this NFL right now, it's it's yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm a Chicago girl. I love having an elite defense, but you got to be able to put points on the board. And I don't think they can put points on the board. They scored fewer than they scored fewer than three touchdowns, so twenty fewer than twenty one points in four of their six games this year. Two of those games, they scored six and seven. Just not going to do it in today's NFL. You're not going to win. You're just not going to win enough games like that. You have to have at least a competent offense. Jake, I want to ask you about this because the Pittsburgh Steelers were a team that all three of us were really high on, but especially you and I, we we all liked. uh, Do we all pick this team and go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all love this team coming into the season. They have had their struggles, but looks like that last victory for them, a big win in the division against Cincinnati – is this the statement win for the Steelers where they really – we've seen the worst and it's only going to get better from here on out? I think you go back to last week and it really started with a big home victory to get back on their feet against – Atlanta's still really good. Their record is not very good, but that offense, that could have been an absolute shootout two weeks in a row, and they figured out how to get it done. Their defense is terrible, but it's played better the last two weeks. And, yes, I think this was the statement victory that they keep going. They keep rolling. I mean, this offense is good enough – to blow you out. They're good enough to grind it out like they did this week. I mean, you saw what I said my problem with Chicago was, and it still is, they can't just hand it off and run it and keep the ball out of the other team's hands. And Pittsburgh did that to Cincinnati, won this game like I thought they would, not necessarily on the last play to Antonio Brown. Granted, that was a phenomenal play, but I thought they'd have enough. I liked them a little bit better. And Ben owns Ohio, and they figured out how to win it. Uh, I think I think they're fine moving forward. I think that team gets healthy, gets Le'Veon Bell back, whatever happens there, whether they do or not, I think they're still plenty good enough to be the best team in this division to keep rolling. I, I agree. And that's, that's the thing about Cincinnati. I think they're a very good team too. 
But what we saw early in the season was the worst case scenario for the Steelers. You have all the drama surrounding the team, all the drama around Le'Veon Bell, drama around Antonio Brown. They're not winning games. And now you have back-to-back weeks. That was a big – I think this week was a big win for them because that is a quality opponent. You now pull within a half game of the division lead. And you win in dramatic fashion. You have a lot of energy in your team now. All of a sudden, you're looking up. You're 3-2-1. and one. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're going to get Le'Veon Bell back at some point. It's not going to hurt you to have him back on the team and in that locker room and on the field for you. Now, all of a sudden, you're kind of rolling, got your confidence going again. I think the worst of it is now in the, in the rearview mirror for Pittsburgh. I think now we're going to start to see a team that I thought could be a 13-win regular season team going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to ask you guys, we're going to get two last things in here. Uh, the Patriots-Kansas City game looked like it could go one direction in the first half, and then it turned into the shootout kind of we all thought it was going to be in the second half. Uh, Jake, I want to ask you this since you are driving the Patrick Mahomes hype train. Uh, you're the conductor of this train. So I want to ask you here, did you, although they lost the football game, did you see enough from Mahomes in that second half to, to really cement that, that this team is for real? And, you know, they put themselves in an in a, in a opportunity to win that football game on the road in New England. Were you impressed by what you saw from Mahomes in the second half? Very simple. Hell yes. He shot out in the set in the first half, was a little too excited. He made that stupid boneheaded play right before halftime, which is some of the stuff I thought we would see from him early on in this season. But he learned from it. And my God, when it came down the stretch in New England, in prime time, when nobody does that kind of stuff, you can see Tom Brady in the press conference, how impressed he was talking about this kid. He has everything. I don't think this team has everything because that defense, while they have a decent pass rush and Houston didn't play, he has to be out there on the other side of D Ford their secondary is terrible. Now I knew, and I, we talked about New England's offense being that much better. I think that's going to continue throughout the season. Now that Edelman's back, they have Gordon getting more involved every week. You can't double Gronk anymore. They're running the ball with Michelle really effectively. Uh, but hell yes, I saw enough from Patrick Mahomes to be really excited about Kansas City moving forward. I'm still worried about the Chargers. If I'm them, when Bosa comes back the second half of the season, I think that division will be tight before it's over with. But man, this Kansas City offense is spectacular. I mean, it. What's going to slow them down? Not much. And I know they lost this game, but I'm actually more encouraged by the Chiefs today than I was going into the week. I, I that was. I know they didn't. I know they didn't get it done in the end, but that was a gutsy, ballsy performance by Mahomes and company in that game. Uh, I liked. It. By the way, Tyreek Hill's an absolute freak. I mean, yeah. we all know that, but like every week, it just yeah. seems like he does something else. Uh, he, the, the play, uh, that I, I believe that tied the game where they go deep to, to Hill, he catches it, comes to a complete stop. The defender has about two steps upfield on him and doesn't even touch Tyreek Hill. Can't even get a finger on it. It's just, it's absolutely unbelievable. The Chiefs, look, their defense is going to be the issue for them when they're going to, again, when they're going to play a Pittsburgh team, when they're going to play a Patriots team again, uh, in the playoffs, that would be the one thing that I'd be concerned about. But so far... I have no complaints about them. And on the other side, New England, their path to the Super Bowl is through Sony Michelle. That is their best chance to get back there because now they have an established running game. When's the last time they had like, a traditional running game? Not, oh, you know, we have Deion Lewis coming out of the backfield and this year's been James White. No, we have an established running game. If Sony Michelle stays healthy and he's getting better every single week that he's yep. been healthy, that is the Patriots' key to getting back to the Super Bowl is having that balance on offense. Yep, I think the New England's finally got it going. And listen, they pulled off a victory at home because Tom Brady's Tom Brady, and 
you can't give him the ball with few minutes waning. And, just and, take him the ball, period. Yeah, you, you can't give him the ball and ex- expect that you're going to come out of victory. But I was really imp- impressed with Mahomes, just like you guys. I think he did everything he needed to do to put his team in a position to win that football game, and it was a really impressive performance. Last question for you guys here. We'll end the podcast on this. There are two teams in the NFL. One had a much higher expectations than the other, but there are two teams that we know well. That is the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals. They are now both one and five on the season. Playoffs are not going to happen for these teams now. It's just not, it's not, especially for the Arizona Cardinals. Jake, I want you to start with Arizona and end with New York. How do you define success now in this season for those two teams? Because they have to do something to make you believe in them, but they're not going to be playoff caliber teams. So how do you, how do you define success as we're a third of the way through the season and it's obvious that these teams are, are not playoff caliber teams. Yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying this. If they played on a neutral field, I'm picking the Giants by 10. So I think they have a lot less to worry about as the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Giants, if they continue to lose, and I don't think they're quite there yet, they need to look at playing somebody else at quarterback other than Eli. But we'll start with Arizona. Um, you took a defense that was top seven five years in a row, and you completely changed the scheme. And you had Latavius Murray average six yards a carry that ran it down your throat. That's got to fix immediately. You got the players, and you should have the coaching. You hired a defense coordinator as your head coach to fix that immediately. I would love to see this defense at least step up and slow down the run. They got to be bottom five in the league against the run. Offensively, you don't have a lot of weapons to see a whole lot moving forward, but you at least like to see them calling plays to take some shots. Run David Johnson. You have a big-time quarterback that can throw it down the field. Christian Kirk can flat-out run. J.J. Nelson can flat-out run. Uh, he might not catch it, but he's going to get open, and you're going to at least have to take those shots. Uh, no risk at no biscuit was pretty good for this team for five years. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Organizationally, I think you trade Patrick Peterson and get as much as you can for him. You now have a defense that doesn't really suit what he does. You, you, don't, you have the best shadow corner in the league, maybe the best in the last 20 years. Who's not doing that? He's playing zone on one side of the field, which means you can scheme against the other one because they don't have a secondary corner. And you got a lot of pieces you could get back for that. They can make some moves. They could trade Dayon Buchanan. They could trade Hassan Reddick. If you're going to play this defense and they don't fit and they're both first-round picks, you could get a lot back there. The Giants, going back to them, I think you have to look at playing somebody else at quarterback the second half of the season. If you know if they end up 1-7, 1-8, then – Eli shouldn't be your quarterback. You should do something else moving forward. But they have serious offensive line problems. They have to fix the offensive and defensive line. Uh, they got to get healthy. They've got a bunch of injuries on that defense. Olivier Vernon coming back the other night, you really saw immediately, uh, even in, in limited spots, be effective. And that's a big, big money guy that they got to get back. Um, but I think they'll be fine. They have weapons. They have pieces they can move. Arizona doesn't have any of that on offense. Yeah, they got the, the future quarterback. You're tied to him. And when I said he was Jay Cutler – if he has Jay Cutler's career, you're ecstatic in Arizona. Jay Cutler was damn good for a lot of time. He just breaks your heart because he's Jay Cutler. I think they're going to see a lot of that, but they've got a talented kid there. you got to surround him with stuff, and it used to be playing defense, and they can't do that at all. Jamie? Yeah, so st- starting with the Giants, I think the, the, the biggest key here is I, I agree that they need to start a different quarterback at some point down the stretch. I don't think it's going to happen as long as Eli Manning is healthy. We saw what happened the last time Eli Manning got benched and how it worked for that coaching staff and for the media and everything else that happened in New York. Uh, so I think f- if for the Giants, I think there, there, there are three key things. One, get healthy on defense and start to show flashes of that defense that it can be, which I think they will be. They've just been hurt. Uh, we, all of us here have confidence in, in Betcher's coaching them up. 
They have confidence in the talent that's on that team. They just got to get healthy all at the same time and start rolling. And they have a little bit easier second-half schedule, so maybe we can start to see that defense dominate a little bit more. Two, you need to make sure although Beckham Jr. starts to get going because the worst thing that can happen is have him sulk all offseason. You, you cannot have this because if there's any hint of him being upset, frustrated, wanting out, anything, that will just be a, a massive distraction to your team for months throughout the offseason. And three – you need to find a way to give a nice little retirement gift to Eli Manning at the end of the year and make sure that is not a quarterback that is on your football team going into next season. Because if he's on your team, he's going to start. Uh, there's, I, I, underst- I, I kind of understand why that's happening. It shouldn't be. It's not good for the team. This needs to be it for Eli Manning. He's done. If we didn't already know, he's done. You need to start fresh next year with somebody, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a veteran you come in and then you draft a rookie. You need to start fresh there to get that offense going. Arizona. On offense, you just want to see progression from Josh Rosen. You need to see him, and to Jake's point, have him again. Throw, throw further down the field. Try different plays. You want to see what, what can he do, what can't he do, and what can he work on. That's the biggest key. I thought going into the season the Cardinals were going to be a complete rebuild. I took the under on five and a half wins when we did that show. I thought they would be a four or five win team. Maybe that was an overestimate at this point. This is a complete rebuild now. They're... On both sides of the ball, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about the defense and what's happened to that defense getting t- torn down, and that almost none of the players on that defense fit anymore with the new scheme. They did perfectly fine in the last scheme, so again, if it's not broke, don't fix it, and then you break it. So to me, that's where Jake's part comes in about, you know, you have to start thinking about moving some of these guys, the Reddicks, the Buchanans, the, even the Petersons of the world. If you're not going to utilize them in their strengths and you're going to completely rebuild this defense, then you're going to have to get players that fit that defense, and you need to get assets for them. Uh, so to me, the biggest thing is just you got to make sure that offense starts to show progression. You got to see what you have in Josh Rosen, what he can't do, what he needs to work on, because that is your path. If, if Josh Rosen turns into one of the 15 best starters in the NFL in the next few years, that is your path back to the playoffs in the foreseeable future. If he is not that, we're now talking five, six, seven years until we're looking at a playoff caliber team. Yeah. No, I I, I couldn't agree more with both of you guys. I think. This is an interesting time for both of those organizations, especially for the New York Giants, who had a little hype going into the season. You thought they'd be, you know, take a step forward. They do have a, a easier second half of the NFL season, so I think we'll get a better idea of what this team actually is. But uh, obviously, disappointment thus far. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media and uh, keep up with you? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at JME Eisner on Instagram. And guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I, and you should follow at TD Fantasy underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. And definitely go to TDFantasy.com and subscribe and become a premium subscriber. Thank you for listening to the TD Fantasy Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.